0: This is an MVP podcast. My Village Productions.
1: Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany.
0: And I'm your host, Andy. And each week we will throw a dart at the map, and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week, I landed on Montana.
1: Montana
0: is where my favorite Hannah came from.
1: Oh, oh. We went there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh.
0: Smiley Miley. What a good time.
1: We won't get into it.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. So, I've been doing a lot of, like, disappearances, murders, things of that nature Mm -hmm. with my episodes. So... (laughs) I decided to dip a toe into some paranormal phenomenon.
1: Phenomena. (laughs) I'm so excited. We haven't had one in a while. We
0: haven't. It's very reminiscent of our Skinwalker Ranch episode. Oh,
1: that was a good episode.
0: It was. All right. So picture it. August 15th, 1950,
1: 1125 (laughs) a.m. Okay, let me set the scene.
0: Imagine the sun at eleven twenty-five, not quite at the highest point in the sky. But
1: still in your eyes. Like
0: creeping. Creeping up there.
1: <laughs> Coming over the mountains.
0: Right. Uh so we have Nick Mariana, who is the general manager of the Great Falls Electrics uh minor league baseball team. Okay. And he was there with his nineteen-year-old secretary, Virginia Rownig. Hmm. I have my questions.
1: Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off commentary at the moment
0: <laughs> so what they were there doing was they were inspecting the empty legion stadium baseball field before a game that afternoon okay weird i don't know why Why? what are we inspecting
1: who knows i mean is it clean
0: right all the concessions are ready maybe
1: i have no idea i mean i guess i could see it you inspect rooms before you give them
0: i guess so right yeah, I mean, it'd be I, interesting.
1: I used to inspect rooms before.
0: So the electrics were a farm club of the Brooklyn Dodgers. So minor league baseball, they usually always name themselves after the major league players uh-huh. uh, teams. So they were the Brooklyn Dodgers, <clears throat> and it was at eleven twenty five when. Mariana noticed a bright flash in the sky. Hmm. And according to his reports, he saw two bright silvery objects rotating while flying over Great Falls at a speed he estimated to be 200 to 400 miles per hour. Now.
1: <laughs> uh, hmm. Questions. How? How do you know how much that is? it is?
0: Right. Pretty sure the fastest car. I think We looked it up once. I think at that time frame, it was like 150, 150
1: in the 50s it was like 150 or something like that
0: still very far from from these numbers he's saying 200 to 400 okay 200 i could see if if the fastest car you've ever seen was at 150 miles per hour i could i could see how you could guesstimate 200 yeah because it's yeah yeah. but 200 to 400 that's just a really big gap
1: it is a huge gap (laughs) it's like how are you even going to determine that
0: For some reason I thought you're gonna be like, it's like double.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Yes, it is double. <laughs> yeah. So he believed that they were roughly fifty feet wide and one hundred and fifty feet apart from each other.
1: Also I mean, I guess you can know that because like a uh, football stadium.
0: Oh, true, true. You're right. We do have some visual cues for that,
1: yeah, but the miles per hour that that's what gets me
0: right <laughs> so Marianna uh decided that he needed to run to his car and grab his sixteen millimeter movie camera and immediately started filming the UFOs for sixteen seconds,
1: okay, that's a pretty long time though,
0: yeah, oh, absolutely. I'll tell you, I'm holding my phone at a concert for, like, 30 seconds, and I think I've been holding it for, like, four hours. But, like, that's also, I'm a little drunk, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so true, That, But, like, in, in the 50s, a video camera is, like, a boombox.
0: Truly. So much. And it was, like, on film. Yeah. It wasn't light at all. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. So, the camera that he grabbed did film the objects in color okay but it did not have the capability of recording sound
1: which is normal for that time period
0: absolutely it's
1: nice that it was in color though
0: truly it's not like this black and white (laughs) static right (laughs) like i could picture it in my mind Mm -hmm. like really grainy yeah probably is really grainy still but (laughs) but at least (laughs) make make it in color
1: yeah if it's in color you can differentiate what's what
0: Definitely, so his uh, his uh, secretary, Virginia Rownig, also witnessed the objects at the same time he did,
1: okay. So we have backup of
0: absolutely. You have somebody that can corroborate your story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: four hundred mile per hour flying object discs, football stadium part. We got, got it this down. got it on lock. So the day after Mariana's sightings, the Great Falls Tribune, the city's daily newspaper, described his sighting and the film in an article which is picked up by other media outlets around the nation so it was like he received like national attention for this footage that he acquired
1: did they say that they like posted it anywhere did they have tvs yes they had tvs <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I lost my mind for a minute but
0: no they they definitely um kind of go into that a little bit he for several weeks after the sighting like he would he would pop up like everywhere and he was showing everybody that he could this footage like Mm -hmm. so he probably took it to like the newspaper showed them the footage and then he was popping up at like restaurants and bars and like just anywhere anywhere that would let him show this footage he was showing it to everybody okay yeah after his his sightings here naturally who steps in the air force
1: The government.
0: And they have to file a formal investigation into his sightings of unidentified flying objects. Fast flying objects. UFFO.
1: (laughs) Was that what they were called back then?
0: No. (laughs) So after seeing the film... Um, a reporter for the Great Falls Tribune called Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio and informed them of Mariana's sighting and film. U.S. Air Force Captain John P. Brinoldsen interviewed Mariana at the nearby Malmstrom Air Force Base outside of Great Falls, which that was also confusing to me because it's like, why wouldn't you go to your local Air Force Base instead of like one that's in a different state?
1: I mean, maybe he was traveling or maybe this. He called
0: him up, though. Called him up on the phone and said, hey, UFO.
1: But also maybe this group of this team had like a like
0: invest- experience. With yeah, it. there you go. That sword. I under- I get I get where you're going. So when Mariana and Virginia both told him that they had seen two jet fighters pass over the baseball stadium shortly after the sighting, Reynoldson felt that perhaps the jets were the objects Mariana had been uh seeing and what he had captured on the film
1: isn't that always (laughs) what the government says it's always a plane it's always a reflection
0: and that's what they said they said it was a reflection off of those jets as they're flying towards the stadium
1: yeah but i mean to go that fast and right circle around like you said
0: yeah rotate
1: yeah like
0: yeah, it's weird, right? So when Mariana's, with Mariana's permission, Captain Bronson actually sent the film to Wright-Patterson Air Force, Base, Air Force Base for analysis. He told a reporter in Great Falls that he had picked up about eight feet of film from Mariana. It's an important number. Eight feet of film. Got it. This was actually one of the biggest discrepancies in this entire investigation. In the message that Captain Brindleton had sent to the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, he said that he was sending approximately 15 feet of moving picture film to be analyzed by their team. So he's telling the public he only has eight feet of film, but then he's telling his people that he has approximately 15 feet of film.
1: Where did those seven feet go?
0: For real, though.
1: And what was on there? I got questions. So
0: many questions. And that discrepancy has actually never been cleared up to this day.
1: In 70 plus years.
0: Yeah. So at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, the film was just very briefly examined and determined to be the reflections from two F-94 jet fighters that were known to be flying over Great Falls at the time of Mariana's sighting. Lies.
1: And you can't even track that in the 50s because right right now you could track everything. You can truly you have reports to show you where each plane was at every moment.
0: You can ask your phone, hey, show me what flights are above me right now. And it'll show you the flight numbers that are in the sky above your head.
1: But in the 50s, you can't you can just claim that a jet was flying and truly who's going to know.
0: Truly. So Taylor uh, decided to go ahead and return the film to Mariana with a cover letter stating that our photo analysts were unable to find anything identifiable of an unusual nature. <laughs> I'm essentially telling them piss off, right? Like, right. fuck off. Like, it's nothing real. Yeah. You're fine. It's just, it's clearly this F-94 jet fighter. It's
1: just reflection.
0: Right. wookie okay. So, however, according to the Air Force officer, Edward J. Ruppelt, who would become the supervisor of the Air Force Project Blue Book investigation into the UFO mystery... In 1951, in 1950 there was no interest by the Air Force in the UFO, so after a quick viewing, Project Grudge had written them off as the reflections from the two F-94 jet fighters that were in the area controversy controversy soon arose when mariana claimed that the first 35 frames of his film which he had most clearly showed the ufos as rotating discs Mm -hmm. so those first 35 frames were missing
1: obviously right that's probably the seven feet right of missing tape
0: people in the great falls area ha, who had viewed mariana's film also supported his claims so everybody that he had shown that to were like yeah this isn't the original film this isn't what you had what he had shown us before
1: yeah i mean <clears throat> so many people saw that since he was going around and showing it at all literally whoever could watch it or whoever wanted to watch it right and now they're seeing a condensed version
0: Yeah well and it's like right because it's like you see it and you're like yeah it's rotating it's there it's there it's there and now it's just kind of like looks like like something weird moving in the sky and you're like no that's not what I saw before at all thank you.
1: (laughs) And you could pass that with like one or two people not hundreds of people.
0: Truly. So, Mariana claimed that the missing frames clearly showed the UFOs as spinning metallic discs with a notch or band along their outer edges. The Air Force personnel denied this accusation and insisted that they had removed only a single frame of film, which is damaged in the analysis. So why are, why are you removing it if it's damaged?
1: Yeah, why do you just care? Just leave
0: it. Right, you're just going to write it off anyway.
1: Right. Why do you care <sighs> that it's damaged? That's not your footage.
0: Truly. So we're going to jump forward 15 years from this date. Okay. In 1966, the U.S. government established and funded a study of the UFO phenomenon, and it was located at the University of Colorado at Boulder.
1: Oh, close to home.
0: Absolutely. By Dr. Edward Condon, a prominent physicist, Uh, the committee's researchers decided to go ahead and reinvestigate Mariana's UFO claim.
1: As they should.
0: Absolutely. So they got the film back. They got the film from him. Mm -hmm. Started digging a little deeper. The Condon Committee assigned two investigators to study the case. Dr. Roy Craig, a physicist who is generally skeptical of all UFOs. Mm-hmm. And Dr. David Saunders, a psychologist who had long been interested in the Mariana UFO incident. Sounds like great like legs <laughs> for this project. Right. You got a skeptic and you got somebody who like wants to believe in it, right?
1: And that's what you should have. You should have someone who plays the devil's advocate.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Saunders and Greg soon added a new problem to the case. They were not sure uh, whether the film had been taken on August 5th. Or August 15th of 1950. I imagine this probably was just a error in just what was written down. Yeah. One probably had five and one probably had 15 written as the date. Human error. Absolutely. After interviewing Mariana, the two researchers came to different conclusions about the film. Craig remained skeptical of Mariana's claims that 35 frames had been removed from the footage. The comment I considered most significant, which Mr. Mariana's ex-secretary made to me during a telephone interview... When I pressed for information or beliefs regarding clipping of the film by the Air Force, her very hesitant comment was, What you have to remember in all this is that Nick Mariana is a promoter. That comment was adequate to close up our conversation at the time.
1: OK, well, what does that even mean? He's a promoter.
0: So at that time, I think it. I think it probably just meant that he he likes being talked about or he likes being like the center of attention. Right. Like he is going to spin you a story.
1: I mean, I get that, but I have valid ev- like you can see the evidence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have proof. Right. So in his memoirs, Dr. Craig also wrote that I would not like to have to defend Mr. Saund- uh, Dr. Saunders' conviction that the Mariana film is strong evidence that we have extraterrestrial visitors. Mm. So I think that just shows you that he was skeptic probably till the to the end of it. Like he never fully believed everything.
1: Yeah, and I think most people probably will stay skeptic.
0: Definitely. Always, unless you see until you see it with your own eyes. And even then, you're probably going to be still skeptical.
1: Right. Like, did I really see that? Yeah. Or was (laughs) I just tired? Right. Was it a jet?
0: Was it a jet? (laughs) Is that what I saw? (laughs) So, however, uh, David Saunders thought that the Mariana film was a crucial case in the Colorado Project's case files. Impressed by Baker's analysis. Saunders was suspicious of the discrepancy over the missing frames at the beginning of the Mariana film. He was particularly concerned with reports that the first three seconds of the film that were missing clearly indicated the objects were spinning discs. He came to the conclusion that the Mariana's film was the one sighting of all time that had did more than any other single case to convince me that there is something to this UFO phenomenon.
1: I mean, which sends a message.
0: Absolutely. And then we have this gentleman who was also investigating it as well for the project in Boulder, Dr. Mm-hmm. William Hartman. And his conclusion was that past investigations have left airplanes as the principal working hypothesis. Data at hand indicate that while it strains credibility, to suppose that these were airplanes, the possibility nonetheless cannot be entirely ruled out. There are several independent arguments against airplane, airplane reflections. So he's saying what we're all thinking, that... Uh-huh. <laughs> There's no way that these airplanes can cause a reflection of that nature and to be like that strong of a reflection for you to film 16 seconds of an airplane's reflection in the sky and have it look like a spinning disc with these perforated edges. And it looks like they're moving 400 miles an hour. (laughs) Right. Like there's no way.
1: No, not at all.
0: And for two of them to be present for that long like ref- like light would eventually get cut off at some point and it would kind of be like choppy right like
1: well jets move pretty fast <laughs> right let's just throw that out there a
0: quote of the episode jets move pretty fast
1: <laughs> but i mean the the reflection of a jet is not going to stay in one spot definitely for that long because what are they reflecting off of first of all yeah I mean
0: you the cockpit could, window <laughs> like
1: I mean, even if they were reflecting off a wing, there is only so much. It's like shadows. It's like yeah. when they used to tell the time back in the Mayan days.
0: Well, and it wouldn't look three dimensional. Right. That's I mean, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Correct?
1: Yeah. But like <laughs> I'm just breaking it down for you
0: <laughs> of all the things. Absolutely. So that was the uh, the Mariana UFO incidents that took place in Montana. And then so similarities back to Ruskin Walker Ranch ufo sightings right skinwalker ranch had a lot of those and then the second thing to kind of tie it back to the skinwalker ranch and everything are a string of cow mutilations that took place
1: oh gosh
0: poor Uh, cows i know so these mutilations took place starting uh june 12th of 2001 Mhm, uh-huh. And lasted until August 31st, 2001. So a little over a month. Right. They were taking place. And all of these cases in 2001 were wildly similar to mutilations that occurred in the 70s in the same exact area.
1: Oh, my God. It sounds exactly like Skinwalker Ranch. Right.
0: A long history of it. Mm-hmm. It keeps happening repeatedly.
1: In the same area.
0: I mean, they have that documentary where they show the Skinwalker Ranch and something, something attacked those cute alpacas. And I'll kill it. I'll kill that Skinwalker.
1: Well, they attacked the alpacas, but they also attacked a, or they killed a, a cow and it was they mutilated. Did. They did. But...
0: Anyway, so for several years, the prairie country along the eastern front of mountains um, was hit with dozens of cattle deaths in which the all the carcasses were mutilated and law enforcement officials and veterinarians who investigated said that they had never seen anything like that in their time as a you know, police officer or veterinarian yeah so Brian Schweitzer, a cattle rancher near Whitefish, Montana, found one of his cows killed the same inexplicable way as the others. The brand inspector said it was lightning that killed the cow. Mm. And Brian kind of clapped back at him. He said, but there wasn't lightning last night. Right. (laughs) Like, pretty sure I would notice if lightning struck down on my property and killed this cow.
1: I mean, even if he didn't notice, you would...
0: See evidence of it?
1: See evidence of it. Yeah. Like, lightning... Has to go in somewhere and come out somewhere, and
0: it's going to be burnt mm-hmm. at
1: right,
0: both both points. You're going to have singed flesh. Yeah, there's going to be burn marks wherever. Obviously, the hooves. And I imagine that the brand inspector actually probably came out and said that because he was sent by the insurance company. Yeah, <laughs> and the value of the law um, of the lost cow was around eight hundred and fifty dollars, so he probably just didn't want to pay him. Like let's rule this like natural causes or an act of God or whatever, mm-hmm. and then we don't have to pay him out for his his loss, which is something shady insurance companies do all the time.
1: Right, and when was this night? Two
0: thousand one. Okay. So now more than ever, law enforcement officials and ranchers are split over whether the death, uh, the cattle deaths, merit investigation as anything more than a lightning strike or a wolf kill, which once again, people. These animals are dying from unforeseen circumstances. There aren't any like bite marks <laughs> there's no blood on the ground a lot of them the 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 mask of their face has been completely ripped off but Aren't it's
1: some of them even like uh, drained of the blood yeah
0: surgically like things are surgically removed from these animals but like a wolf did it <laughs> a wolf had a scalpel and like cut the face off
1: it was lightning wild the lightning burned up the blood
0: <laughs> for real though like what yeah, the, it boiled <laughs> and evaporated into thin air. I
1: think we solved it.
0: <laughs> Problem solved. And that really, we don't. We really don't need to get into the cattle mutilations before. It's something we've talked about before. Uh, I just wanted to bring that up in conjunction with the UFO sightings right, as well, yeah. because unsolved phenomenon in Montana seems to be happening a lot of places other than just Montana. We have Utah. This has definitely happened in southern Colorado before uh-huh. and the San Luis Valley look up um snippy the horse if you ever get bored that was a fun story from like way back in the day
1: yeah i mean i you hear it a lot in conjunction with ufo sightings
0: you do and i think they're testing on animals that's what i think like because it always seems to take place like you said where there is a ufo sighting Uh it seems that there are also cattle mutilations or just animal mutilations and nobody can really pin anything a lot of people they automatically jump to like cult leaders or like satanic rituals where they're sacrificing animals and it's if there was a group of people that went out there to sacrifice this animal there would be footprints everywhere do you think a group would be able to like completely erase their footprints
1: well, and it would be a messier scene than what it is. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Like the one in in Southern Colorado, the animal literally fell from the sky. It had snowed the night before. Mm. There were no footprints in the snow. They said where the horse was, not even like hoof prints from the horse. It literally looked like it fell from the sky.
1: That's crazy. I mean, at least the UFOs are testing on animals and not people. <laughs>
0: Well, I think they're testing on people too. That's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> we should just do like a UFO unsolved phenomenon and just like talk about like some Thank like. Thank you the for listening
1: to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Roswell. Instagram and follow if us. If we get enough follows America, and likes for MVP. that, we will and be sure it to subscribe to our, our show on your favorite podcast yes, we platform. Will.
0: If you need to contact us, please email unsolvedamericamvp@gmail.com at gmail and we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions.